listening to Proof Text, a Glossa House podcast by Dr. T. Michael W. Halcom, Dr. Frederick J. Long, Dr. Mario Melendez, Dr. Jennifer Noonan, and J. M. Smith. Welcome and enjoy. Shalom and welcome to this week's SLA Insight. Uh, my name is Dr. Jennifer Noonan, and I'm continuing our discussion of how to make input comprehensible. We've talked in previous episodes about how important comprehensible input is for language acquisition. In order for input to be comprehensible, it needs to be at or below the student's current level of ability. But the input hypothesis says you also need just a little bit more, or in Cration's terms, I plus one, one degree more difficult for ideal acquisition to occur. For those who study um, reading and reading texts, the number is 95 to 98% of the words that a student has to know that much in order for the text to be comprehensible and for the student to continue to acquire that additional 2 to 5% that they don't know. Now, as we're probably aware, ancient texts are not comprehensible, especially for beginners. And so I've been looking at ways to make the input comprehensible, to get it to that ideal point where a student can learn and acquire the language well. I've talked about adding contextual clues. I've talked about simplifying the text using a diglot weave or creating text from scratch. This week, in this episode, I want to talk about providing opportunities for negotiation of meaning as a way of creating and making input comprehensible. Before I get to definitions, I want to use an example to illustrate what this might look like, and then I'll talk more about the theory behind it and and, uh, some definitions and so on. So imagine, in this example, that you are in a country where you only know a few basic words and phrases and some odd vocabulary. Uh, You know, hello, how are you? Where's the bathroom? I need this. I don't understand. You know, things like that. And the people you're talking to do not know your language. So there's a pretty strong language barrier. You're in the market and you're looking for something to eat. You want to get some food. And you go to a shopkeeper and say, I want food or something similar. And because you used his language, the shopkeeper thinks you're fluent and begins rattling off in the local language and giving you directions or something. You're not sure what because you don't understand most of it. This is not comprehensible input. You might have caught three words total in all of what he said, and that's not helpful. So you respond with, I don't understand, or just a look on your face that says, I don't know, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, And this begins the process of negotiation of meaning. And with that, he's going to start over again and do several things to help make himself understood for you. He might slow down. He might use very simple vocabulary, short sentences, He might include contextual clues, like we talked about a couple episodes again, body language, miming, pointing, gesturing, maybe drawing you a map, um, something to help get the meaning across. But another important piece is he's going to regularly check in to see if you comprehend. So let's say he starts by saying, go to the door. 
and you know what a door is in the language. And so you, you, you nod, you know, and say yes. And then he says, and then you turn left. Well, you, you know, and, and he looks at you, goes, yes. And you go, no, no, I, I don't know left. And so maybe he's going to walk you to the door and point left and show you, or maybe he's going to draw you a picture until you can say, yes, yes, now I understand. And this is the process of negotiating meaning. And eventually you do get something for lunch that day. Um, and so it's really important as you work through that to get the other person to provide you with input that you can understand. So we negotiate meaning when we seek clarification, when we indicate that we don't understand, or when we somehow communicate to the other person that we need help understanding. We might say, please repeat. Did you mean, I don't understand, say it again more slowly, please. These are all ways of requesting simpler input to the point where you're able to comprehend. And the person providing the input, it's important for them to do regular comprehension checks. Did you get that? Do you understand? Should I say it again? Um, and that ability to negotiate meaning provides the, the, excuse me, the conversation partners with the opportunity to bring the input to the level needed for comprehension, that is, comprehensible input. Now, according to an SLA practitioner, Lester Lashke, he says, quote, all other things being equal, learners who are allowed to negotiate interaction while listening to the target language have a higher probability of comprehending what they hear, a point with important classroom implications. Because again, and that's the end of the quote there, because again, comprehensible input is essential for language acquisition. The more you can give comprehensible input at the level of I plus one or 95 to 98%, the more likely and the quicker, more efficiently your students are going to acquire the language. Now, there are several advantages to negotiating meaning. First of all, it is immediate and in real time. So you can, in the moment, say, wait, stop, I didn't get that and continue to work through negotiating meaning. The other advantage is that it's tailored specifically to the person and or situation um, that you're working with, the specific needs of the conversation partners and their abilities on that given day. Who knows, today I may be in better shape for learning than tomorrow. And so being able to tailor it in real time at the moment is really important. And from pedagogy, just general, lang um, not language, general learning theory, we know that immediate feedback is more effective for learning than delayed feedback. And so being able to do it right then and there in real time is a, a real advantage. And again, the ability to specifically tailor it to your conversation partner. Now, there are a few potential disadvantages. One is that this approach, negotiating meaning, is assuming you're speaking and listening. It requires output in the language in the con because conversation requires both input and output. And that means learning an additional skill for you and or for your students. Now, I put a, I'm putting a question mark here in terms of this being a disadvantage. It's an additional challenge, but the importance of output um, 
it should not be understated or underrated. For many who teach ancient languages, they think, oh, well, there's nobody out there who speaks biblical Hebrew or ancient Latin or whatever it is. So there's no reason for me to have to produce output to speak the language. But in terms of language acquisition, there are actually a lot of benefits to output. One of them is negotiation of meaning. There are more, and we'll hit on those in future episodes. But one advantage of producing output is the ability to negotiate meaning in real time with a conversation partner. Um, so the how-tos, how are you going to do this? How might you incorporate this into your classroom? The first thing you want to do is teach your student how to negotiate meaning. In other words, you're going to have to teach them the phrases that they need to use in order to request clarification. Things like, I don't understand, or say it again, please. All of those phrases that can initiate negotiation of meaning when they don't understand. And there are some resources out there for Hebrew. I know that the book Milim, that's published, uh, written by Paul Overland, published by Glossa House, is a great resource for Hebrew. There are others you can look online for Greek and Latin phrases that will help your students get them um, to negotiate meaning when they don't understand. And then once they have those in their tool belt, um, designing some activities that will include interaction to start off maybe just, hi, how are you? And getting them to work back and forth, giving your instructions in class in the target language and encouraging them to stop you if they don't understand something so that they can, again, do that negotiation of meaning that will bring the input to their level, to comprehensible input. Now, I've been assuming, again, that this is all done verbally, out loud, speaking and listening. It can be done in writing. You can create activities where you have them write letters to each other. The feedback is not going to be as quick, although in a classroom setting, you can always walk over to the other student who wrote the letter and say, wait a minute, I don't get this. <laughs> but if you're doing a true uh, correspondence by letter, for example, um, the there's gonna be a delay in the feedback if there's something that's not understood. Um, but it's still a possibility. But again, when we're talking ancient texts, you do not have the ability to negotiate meaning. That author is long gone, and there is no way of asking the text, what did you mean? Um, and so the ability to do it with real people live in real time is a, a big advantage. So now to conclude, summarize here, the opportunity to negotiate meaning in the context of conversation creates a situation in which the conversation partners are more likely to adjust and provide comprehensible input for each other. And this can be teacher to student, can be student to student, but the opportunity to interact and then negotiate meaning when conversation and comprehension breaks down is a huge skill that's really important for bringing comprehensible input to your students. It's a, again, another approach for creating comprehensible input along with, as I've said in previous episodes, um, giving contextual clues and simplifying texts. So this brings us to a close of this little uh, mini segment on creating 
comprehensible input for your students. In upcoming episodes, I'm going to start looking at ways to maximize comprehensible input in your classroom. So if you're already doing it, ways to add it. If you're not doing it, ways to start. And I'm going to be approaching it from a couple different perspectives. One is ways to increase the quantity of comprehensible input, how to get more comprehensible input into your classroom. And the second is going to be how to maximize or increase the quality of the comprehensible input. So how to adjust it and make it get the most out of it. So I hope you'll join me for these upcoming episodes. Until then, have a great week. Interested in growing your ancient language skills but not sure where to start? Glow's House can help. From illustrated readers and short stories to lexicons and grammars, Glossa House offers a variety of resources for beginning, intermediate, and experienced ancient language learners. Head to glossahouse.com today. Glossa House, language resources for the global community.